you have any questions for Politics and Science, you can direct them by email to politicsandscience at madriver.com. That's politics and science at madriver.com. Politics and Science can be heard weekly on WMRWLP Warren 95.1 FM, airing on Mondays at 5 p.m. And in the Bellows Falls area can be heard on Wool LP Bellows Falls at 101.1 FM, airing from 3 to 4 p.m. on Sundays and from 9 to 10 a.m. on Mondays. The following program does present the opinions of its participants, and it does not necessarily reflect an official opinion of any other person or organization. This edition of Politics and Science features an interview with Dr. Raymond Peet. RayPete.com is the website, RayPete.com, and it was recorded on the 20th of April, 2009. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Politics and Science. This is the 20th of April, and it kicks off a new series on politics and science about radiation, and we'll be discussing nuclear ionizing radiation, focusing on its use in our culture and weighing its potential usefulness in relation to its costs to our health and environment. And I'm very happy to have on the show again today uh, Dr. Raymond Peet, who's an endocrinologist and physiologist and science historian from Eugene, Oregon. And you can find more information about Ray Pete on his website, raypeat.com. Ray, are you there? Yes. Excellent. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, it's fine. Good. Welcome back. And I know you have quite a bit to say about radiation. And I was wondering, uh, first of all, I think it's a confusing subject for people because often uh, when people talk about radiation, say at the dentist or... Uh, at the doctors, they're always trying to make you feel safe about using it, and they always compare it to other f- kinds of radiation. For instance, sunlight, they say it's, um, you know, bone scans are no more than two days or two hours in the sun, or I think you've used the example of a flight to Denver to New York, uh, comparing it to cosmic radiation. And I was just hoping to start off, you could just address the different kinds of radiation that exist, and, and how do they compare? Um, the medical profession and then the, uh, the government and the nuclear industry made up uh, a lot of stories to um, convince people that radiation doesn't hurt them. And uh, the, the sunlight is pro- probably the basic oldest story that... Uh, if it doesn't kill you to uh, absorb so much energy of sunlight, then why should it kill you to absorb the equivalent of an hour or something of, uh, in the form of radiation? And it's that they've known really for uh, close to 200 years that there are very different kinds of radiation that uh, beyond the blue end of the spectrum, uh, the invisible light in 1800 they knew was chemically active. They for a long time called that the chemical rays uh, the, because they could produce changes in silver nitrate and later in photographic emulsions and so on mm-hmm. with the uh, 
beyond the blue, the ultraviolet end of the spectrum. And so they knew that the the warm rays and the colored visible rays were harmless compared to these chemical burning rays, which can sunburn you. And then at the end of the 19th century, when the Curies and, and Becquerel and others were exploring radium, uh, Becquerel carried a, a vial of it in his pocket and got a horrible burn on his chest. And uh, immediately uh, the medical profession uh, saw that as something even more fun than surgery and cautery. And so almost immediately when they saw it caused a horrible burn, they decided it was good for medical purposes, like burning off warts and, and so on. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Thomas Edison in 1904, uh, his main assistant died of uh, radiation x-ray poisoning after years of amputations and burns and surgery and so on. So by 1904, Thomas Edison was already an opponent of the use of ionizing radiation in any form, but the medical profession was just starting to see that it was a profitable tool. And so uh, even though they knew uh, very well the differences in types of radiation they to sell it, they had a hundred years to invent stories to convince people that they wouldn't get lethal burns. And so they invented the story that there was a threshold below which no damage at all was done. And uh, that was greatly expanded on by the government when they wanted to uh, show that they could explode uh, atomic bombs in Nevada and uh, no one would be harmed. Uh, Forty years later, Congress investigated and concluded that about 15,000 people minimum in the United States alone were killed as a result of those atmospheric tests. But the government uh, had its agents out convincing people that below the threshold there was no harm at all and that... uh, the amounts were similar to uh, what you get when you live in Denver or fly in an airplane or sit in the sun. Even Linus Pauling, who opposed exposing the population to radiation, uh, was he was convinced that uh, it was worse to live in Denver than at sea level because uh, cosmic rays were more intense, supposedly, at Denver, and uh, sunlight was more intense. And the facts showed that cancer of all kinds is less uh, common at the higher you go in altitude. But um, someone as as sophisticated as Linus Pauling neglected that property of, of radiation that it's called linear energy transfer and it happens that cosmic rays at high altitude don't deliver much uh, energy or damage to your tissues, but 
at lower altitude where they're less intense, they're uh, more able to react with your tissues and cause cause damage. Hmm. So, so the um, cosmic rays are harmful, but uh, when you uh, are in a skyscraper, for example, it's even worse than being at a low altitude because the the cosmic rays are slowed down and produce secondary and tertiary particles, uh, so you get much more intense radiation at low altitude, uh, sheltered by uh, massive structure. Maybe, uh, Ray, we should back up just a little bit and talk about what radiation actually is. I mean, why, like the cosmic ray example you just used, confuses me because it seems like at lower altitudes it should be actually be uh, weaker because it's and going slower implies um, less energy to me. So why is that the case, and what, what's actually happening that's causing damage? Yeah, the the uh, ordinary photon type of radiation, uh, which includes infrared and visible light and ultraviolet, uh, that is a, a, an electromagnetic vibration. Mm-hmm. And the nuclear uh, particles uh, are actual uh, protons or nuclei or um, whole uh, atoms minus the electrons. Cosmic rays uh, are typically iron atoms without their electrons. Hmm. So they're very massive particles, but going at a very high speed, they pass through the the body without uh, doing anything except a trail of ionization that you can see when they go through an atmosphere that is saturated with water. The the ionization causes uh, a a streamer of of, uh, particles to appear. Who who can see that? Um, In a cloud chamber, you you, um, have humid air and adjust the pressure so that it's just about to start condensing into rain. And at that point, uh, the particles going through it ionize it cause nucleation uh, that uh, condense uh, droplets of water like a a streamer of fog appears and uh, any ionization will do that but cosmic rays are constantly going through so you can visualize uh, using a cloud chamber the the particles are uh, they at lower energies will even stop in your tissue rather than passing through. Ah. And I don't think anyone really understands why the faster ones interact less, but it's put to use in uh, linear accelerators, for example. They can adjust the voltage of protons or other particles and shoot them into your body at a given energy, designing it so that they all slow down and stop near a tumor Hmm. and uh, where they're slowing down and stopping they're causing the most damage uh, when they go through quickly like a a cosmic ray at high altitude they just leave a a slight trail of ionization rather than a a very intense cloud of secondary reactions and 
a typical physics professor's explanation for that is uh, that if you imagine the substance as a, a meteor swarm uh, and a spaceship uh, traveling through that, if if the spaceship goes very slowly, it's sure to get hit by a swarming meteor. Mm-hmm. But if it zooms right through, it has a chance of, of getting past without interactions. Mm-hmm. Trouble is that uh, the uh, doesn't apply to photon uh, absorption because all photons go at the same speed. But in fact, the higher energy uh, photons uh, penetrate more deeply without interacting so much. Hmm. So the cosmic rays are, are worse be- in a skyscraper because they're being slowed down by hitting the walls of the skyscraper? Yeah, and uh, the, they cause nuclei to disintegrate into secondary particles, and those particles cause other disintegrations into tertiary particles. And so it's it's like a more intense shower of lower energy but still lethal hmm. particles. The Chinese did experiments with rabbits, uh, putting them under in cages with a, a lead roof of different thicknesses, uh, and around uh, half an inch to an inch thickness of lead on the roof caused the rabbits to fairly quickly become sterile and... Uh, uh, miscarry. Uh, if they were pregnant when they put them under the roof, they would miscarry, just like you were uh, giving them a birth control pill. And if you kept them under it, they didn't conceive at all. And why? Why was that? Uh, radiation poisoning, tertiary or secondary uh, cosmic rays. So the cosmic rays were getting through the lead, which I was assuming for some reason would be blocking yeah, well, them. At a certain thickness, you maximize the tertiary and secondary particles. Hmm. Uh, there's a certain probability at, as the, the lead gets thicker that it, one of them will have a, a direct hit on the nucleus and cause it to uh, split into more particles. I see, and, th- and then it's making them sterile because it, um, I think we'll get into its effects on tissue in a little bit, but basically it's adding stress. Yeah. In, uh, with a, a shorter dose, the litter would simply be uh, reduced in weight, and some of the animals would be dead and mm-hmm. others would survive. And even though that was particles, uh, some of the radiation, when the uh, lead nuclei split, you get some gamma rays and x-rays produced as well as particles. And uh, a study of dentistry in Seattle uh, looked at a large population of of people getting different types of dental work, and they used lead shields to cover their body so that nothing but their face was getting the x-ray directly. But uh, when they looked back at the uh, the results of their treatments, a pregnant woman who would get a full set of oral x-rays uh, would expect to have a lighter 
birth, birth weight baby as a result of the systemic poisoning produced by x-raying just her head. So the, the lead group experiments in China uh, were exposing the whole animal, but just exposing one part creates enough stress to uh, reduce fertility to the extent of having a smaller baby. Hmm. Well, that's, to my mind, making the, the cosmic rays and x-rays sound somewhat equivalent, are they? Uh, well, in biological effect, yeah, they're equivalent to poisoning and stress. And uh, biologically, uh, in, in my dissertation work, I looked through the biological effects of different kinds of radiation and found that I couldn't distinguish the, the biological damage caused by overdosing estrogen from the uh, radiation poisoning effects. Hmm. So it's, it's a very general uh, type of biological damage. In fact, uh, many biologists thought that radiation was causing the pituitary gland to make the ovaries overproduce estrogen because uh, the radiation was so identical to estrogen poisoning. But uh, people uh, did control experiments and irradiated just the head and the whole animal would show an estrogen effect as in the dental x-rays. But others x-rayed only a foot or an arm and, and so on and still the whole body went into an estrogenic state showing that it's, it's a toxin produced by any tissue interacting with the radiation. Hmm. So you don't have to just target an area. It's actually going to have an effect on the whole animal. Yeah, it spreads through the bloodstream and probably in other ways. Now, going back to comparing the different kinds of radiation, um, cosmic radiation, so is it fair to say that an X-ray at a dentist is, is comparable or I think this was a bone scan was the example, equivalent of flying from Denver to uh, New York in, in exposure? And no, living if living in Denver gives you less cancer than living in New Orleans mm -hmm. and living in uh, uh, at 10,000 feet in Colombia or Bolivia gives you even less cancer than in Denver. I see. And fly if you could spend your life flying around in an airplane, you'd be even better off with less cancer. The higher altitude has been known since 1900 uh, insurance statistics to correspond to a lower cancer incidence. Hmm. So the, the, the whole story, even though it fooled Linus Pauling, uh, it's been known to be contrary to the facts since 1900 at least. Now, x-rays are widely used medically, um, dental x-rays and CAT scans and uh, bone scans, and you probably can think of a couple others that I'm not thinking of right now. Um, and people, f you know, doctors say they're invaluable for diagnosing and treating uh, different diseases. Do you find that 
they are sometimes useful. And what exactly, I should, this is actually two questions, what exactly, besides the estrogenic effect, what else do they do to your tissues? Um, well, the estrogenic effect is just part of, of a general type of uh, tissue excitation that involves, at, uh, in different ways of measuring it, it involves a chronic inflammation being set up. And uh, that, depending on the dose and, and length of time involved, leads to tissue atrophy and fibrosis. And uh, the atrophy and fibrosis uh, are what predispose you eventually to cancerization. Uh, the, at first, the um, U.S., government-sponsored interpretations of the exposure to uh, atomic bomb radiation in Japan, what they did was draw circles around the bomb and look at people at uh, one mile and ten miles and so on out in a circle from the bomb. But, in fact, the radiation went with the wind. And mm. when they took... Uh, the uh, people who really got the radiation in one part of the radius and averaged it out with the people all at the same distance but in totally different directions, they made the radiation radiation damage disappear. So it seemed that it wasn't causing any cancer at all. Uh, but the uh, when people more honestly looked at the data and got the actual exposure, uh, they saw that, uh, for example, 20 years later, looking at people who had been exposed uh, as babies or fetuses, their brains were much smaller than normal, uh, the same effect seen in the Chinese rabbit studies. And with the, uh, with the women in the uh, study at, uh, in the dental uh, yeah, Dental yeah. The, the Japanese, they actually measured their heads, and their whole head was smaller mm. if they were exposed in utero. And that amount of radiation was being used medically for a long time in the U.S., and uh, Alice Stewart was the one that showed that it was causing leukemia and other childhood cancers, but uh, no one has uh, traced U.S., uh, brain damage to medical x-rays yet, even though it, it has been established in other countries. Now, you spoke of uh, nuclear uh, atmospheric tests. That's X-rays are actually waves, is that right? It's, it's, it's a, it's, they're not actually particles, but I imagine anything that's being carried by the wind is, a, is actually a particle, a radioactive particle. Uh, yeah, and those particles get ingested. It isn't that they radiate at you from the dust outside you, but they get in your food and water and air and enter your particle as a food atom, and then they still follow the same course of uh, nuclear decay and uh, break down into uh, radiation and particles inside your tissues. Mm. And in that situation where they emit an alpha particle or a 
a helium nucleus, uh, if it is emitted right inside the cell, it's going to cause total damage and be absorbed within just a few cell diameters from where the uh, radioactive particle decayed. The uh, nuclear industry said, why worry about alpha particles leaking out of our uh, uh, power plants or coming out of the uh, bomb test fallout? And they would have an alpha emitter uh, and a, a, an amplified detector uh, with a space between, and they would put a sheet of typing paper and the uh, sputtering of the detector would stop when they put the paper in the path of the uh, alpha radiation beam. Mm -hmm. They said, see, uh, it just takes a sheet of paper to stop the beam. But the difference is when you have ingested the particle that emits those beams, there is no paper between the particle and the cell that gets poisoned. I see. So every time a nuclear facility has a leak, that particles are actually being emitted. And people breathe them in, and then they, when they disintegrate in the body, the, the reaction happens. Uh, just two or three years ago, someone compared the uh, blood serum of Japanese who were still alive, but who had been exposed to the atomic bomb. And... Uh, they showed that they could demonstrate lingering uh, photochemical emission differences in their blood serum uh, 60 years after the exposure. Hmm. That's am- so it lingers that long. Is, is it still? Are there still radioactive particles uh, in them? No, it, it's it's uh, still unstable uh, biochemical material that it spreads the influence and persists unless something uh, intervenes to uh, correct the whole process. But uh, these people, 60 years later, still were different from unexposed people. And uh, this is something that has been coming up in the last 10 years or so, that if you irradiate cells in a dish to produce mutations and then put those cells with unexposed cells in another dish, those unexposed cells keep mutating long after from something emitted by the irradiated cells. Hmm. And if you irradiate fish, uh, they will emit into the water uh, some of the toxic materials that cause uh, biochemical disturbances in the other fish. And uh, the genetic instability is really the most horrifying part of uh, the exposure because the uh, it's called the bystander effect that is transmitted as some kind of signal from the injured cell, which then injures the cells that receive this material. And that transmitted uh, effect de 
destabilizes the chromosomes generations later, uh, and uh, no one really knows how long that can go on, but in, in the lab situation, it, it can be passed through many generations of cells hmm. as a, a tendency to mutate and uh, produce defects uh, in cells that were many generations removed. Now, what about, there was just a study done, um, I think in Germany, and a fellow who was here uh, around central Vermont speaking about it, his name was um, Eisenstein, I believe, and I don't actually know the details of the study, except that it did show that around nuclear power plants, uh, there was definitely a higher leukemia rate among children, and why is it that children and young, I guess all young um living things are more susceptible to damage from radiation? Um, it's that it's, instead of being uh, played out like a genetic blueprint being read out literally uh, to form each stage of, of development during growth, uh, that was the where genetics uh, dogma was used conveniently by the physics dogma to uh, say that if it didn't mutate your DNA, uh, then it didn't cause any damage because DNA controls everything. But the, the bystander effect is produced by doses in the micro-gray region, where they used to call uh, 50 gray exposure or 500 rems, uh, the uh, dangerous toxic dose, uh, a millionth of a gray is now known to produce these bystander effects. Hmm. And the the, uh, the developing organism is never simply a matter of a blueprint in the DNA being played out step by step. But uh, doctors used to say what a mother ate had no influence on the quality of the baby baby being developed. That as long as the mother ate enough to live to give birth, the baby was not going to be affected by the mother's poverty or starvation. And that was because of this doctrine that uh, environment has nothing to do with it. The genes totally determine what the organism is. But in fact, uh, even the formation of the ovum is environmentally determined by uh, the conditions in the mother's physiology. The way the cytoplasm of the oocyte is assembled even before there's a fertilized egg uh, this is modified by the environment and the mother's experience. And then once the fertilized egg starts developing, it's still progressively modified at every stage by its environment. And so if estrogen is introduced during the pregnancy and the dose is small enough that the pregnancy can survive, the change 
in the environment, for example, the reduction of available glucose causes the brain to develop differently. Uh, and, for example, the cortex of the brain is thinner in proportion to estrogen exposure. And the radiation exposure caused the whole brain to be considerably smaller, but uh, just a, a fairly seemingly insignificant imbalance towards estrogen causes the cortex to be thinner than normal. And so the uh, it's because the young organism is in a developmental stage. It hasn't decided exactly what it can become because the environment at every stage is part of what it can become. And so if you introduce inflammation and stress anywhere along the line, uh, the younger the organism, the more deviation from its ideal possibilities there will be. I see. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Raymond Pete, endocrinologist, physiologist, and science historian from Eugene, Oregon. So it sounds like if that's the effect on younger beings, uh, human and otherwise, it, it sounds like it's by all means a good idea to avoid any kind of uh, radiation exposure, including x-rays and, and dental x-rays and, and things like that. Uh, yeah, but even the time of day can uh, influence your ability to tolerate stresses, including x-ray. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, for example, if you go for a jog before breakfast, your chromosomes are going to be more susceptible to breakage than if you had had some juice before you went for a jog. Hmm. The low, low blood sugar uh, makes your chromosomes break more easily. And so uh, having your radiation injury in, in the late afternoon, you're going to have much less risk of damage. I see when when your when your body is basically fortified against different stresses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe towards the end of the show we can talk about what you can actually do to mitigate the effects of radiation. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'd like to also have you talk about the eff efficacy of uh, using medical uh, radiation uh, for diagnostic and I guess treatment also. Um. One article published in JAMA about 10 years ago uh, criticized the use of, of the bone scans because they showed that they were thrown off by any consistent change in the ratio of fat and water. Uh, fat doesn't absorb x-rays as much as water does. And so if you... Uh, reduce the amount of fat in your bone marrow. Bone marrow is normally extremely fat-rich. Uh, and if you exchange that for water and make a sort of sick, anemic, waterlogged bone marrow, uh, which estrogen can do, you're going to seem to have more dense bones. Uh, so especially for measuring the effects of estrogen, X-ray bone scans are simply not scientific. Hmm. And there are ultrasound 
uh, bone measuring devices that can actually determine the strength of the bone from the elastic uh, sound transmission through the bone. Uh, it doesn't just measure the density. You can have soft but highly calcified bones, and so the ultrasound really measures the bone quality. And incidentally, each ultrasound treatment is likely to make your bone stronger because it stimulates healing and regeneration. Hmm where each exposure to x-ray is going to uh, increase your stress and make your bones weaker. Well, it sounds like, especially for bone scans, that x-rays are probably not a good idea. Yeah. And the, the ultrasound technology has existed for many years in which uh, dentists could see cavities and... Uh, have nice pictures of the insides of teeth without any x-rays at all. Yeah, I've, I've looked into that without much luck finding anybody, at least in this country, who's doing no, that. No, it's, it's just a technology that no one wants to use because hmm. they have x-rays and believe they're safe. So and what about, I know Newsweek came out with a, an article um, not too long ago about CAT scans and actually was quite uh, cautionary about people having too many of them. Uh, how, how do they fit into one, the, the scale one, of exposure? One is too many. One CAT scan is too many. Yeah. Why is that? Um, it's a lot of radiation. It's the equivalent of many, many chest x-rays. It's, it's making an x-ray picture from many different angles so that you can look at it in the computer and see many different perspectives. Is there any time when you think an x-ray would be a useful tool? No, because the other technologies are better. Magnetic resonance and ultrasound. Mm -hmm. uh, the technology is there and it would be improved if people would start using it more. If they're invested in their their present machines. So you're basically saying it's it's irresponsible that the medical authorities at this point are advocating continued use of x-rays. Well, it was irresponsible in 1920 and continuing for a hundred years beyond when they knew it was harmful. It's worse than irresponsible. Mm. Can you say a few words about John Goffman, uh, somebody who did work for the the Nuclear Regulatory Agency, or the yeah. Atomic Energy Commission, I think? Yeah, I was aware of him from the 1940s on as one of the main government devils. <laughs> For 30 years, he said how wonderful x-rays and other radiation uh, forms are and that they're not known to be harmful. Uh, you can't prove that they're going to kill 15,000 people just by exploding some bombs in Nevada. For 30 years, he was the government spokesman and uh, said that people like Linus Pauling were uh, irresponsible fear mongers. Hmm. And he uh, later, I think it was 1968 or so, he said in the middle of one of his speeches where he was saying it hasn't been proved that these 
bomb tests are going to result in 20 years in death and disease, he suddenly realized what he was saying. He said he realized he was stupid or, or crazy to be saying such stuff. And it took him 30 years to come to that realization, but once he did, then he became the government's greatest enemy. Hmm. I mean, he became. He started to campaign against the use of uh, yeah. nuclear technology yeah. and and great medical technology. He, his last big book was demonstrating that uh, breast cancer and heart disease are caused in the United States mainly by medical X-rays. Uh, breast cancer is lowest in West Virginia, where there are the fewest uh, doctor visits by patients. Hmm. per capita, and highest in uh, the rich areas of California where there are most doctors and most chest exams per patient. That's very similar to what Samuel Epstein says about mammography. Oh, yeah. Have you talked to him yet? Uh, Just on the phone briefly, uh, we're going to have an interview with him on May 4th, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was a a study in Scandinavia a few years ago that showed that... uh, the total mortality was higher in the women who got their breast scans. And that's that's kind of alarming because I I know they're being recommended all the time to people I know, especially I um, recently heard an example of not only uh, was that done to somebody, but then a, a, a metal pellet was planted without their knowledge uh, in the place that they'd uh, performed a biopsy on, and they left that pellet in there so they could mark the spot where they had been looking at. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, uh, what, what, how does that strike you as a technique? Uh, well, it's not an abnormal medical technique. I, did you hear the NPR program a couple of days ago uh, broadcasting a segment from Columbia? medical schools blessing of the white coat ceremony no i didn't know they were so religious uh, yeah they bless the white coats and then have the students put them on as they call them up like they're getting a diploma and it, it's uh, an attitude that uh, physicians are sanctified by their profession and so they they really feel that uh, they can't do any harm if they're sincerely uh, being physicians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the What I hear are mostly horror stories. Uh, women who are told that uh, they're just going to have an exploratory surgery and then their ovaries are removed. Uh, and uh, just it seems like the, the people I talk to have been really seriously abused by their doctors. Now, I, I know in a previous show a long time ago, we talked about some of the history of the use of radi- radiation by, um, I guess, medical and mil- military. Um, uh, and perhaps we should cover some of that it's, at some point. Um, it's a horrendous story, which I don't actually like to talk about because it's so depressing. But um, I think it is... Good to know sort of where the technology came from and 
how uh, the, the professionals that developed it uh, basically used it in a completely immoral fashion, and I, I don't think that that actually that code of ethics has changed much. Ray, um, one of the things they're using now for uh, ionizing uh, radiation technology for is for um, uh, what do they call? It? They radiate food to preserve it. Um, I just the name of that technique has escaped me. That's just irradiated food, I believe, is what they call yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they re- irradiate meat, and they also irradiate, uh, you know, fruit, and maybe other vegetables as well. And mm-hmm. what's your opinion on? I mean, that makes meat last, I think, quite a bit longer. And sometimes it does, and sometimes it, well, it immediately, almost instantly, spoils it to some extent, but mm-hmm. it it stops other enzyme and bacterial changes. It'll it'll kill enough microorganisms that it stops some types of rotting, but uh, it also stops the natural defense processes. So uh, apples, for example, will instantly turn color from the radiation Hmm. and get soft and sour and uh, become susceptible to certain types of of decay later uh, uh, because the natural defense processes of the cells have been destroyed and uh, it activates some of the uh, aging processes in in meat and other tissues hmm. that uh, increase the toxicity uh, proteins are degraded into toxic compounds uh, fats are made rancid and toxic uh, every uh, component in proportion to its uh, oxidizability is affected and when they've fed these processed foods to experimental animals, uh, the animals show the effects of poisoning and malnutrition Uh, the most susceptible uh, components to damage are things like uh, vitamin B2 and folic acid Mm -hmm. and uh, vitamin A is uh, very almost totally destroyed uh, by this uh, irradiation so it becomes a deficient food nutritionally at the same time these the destruction of these compounds converts them into toxic reactive compounds that uh, further reduce the nutritional value and increase the toxic effects of the rest of the food. And since uh, prolonged feeding uh, causes consistently causes damage in uh, the lab animals, uh, a lot of people have been devising techniques to test food uh, to show whether it's been irradiated or not. And these same tests that show the radiation damage in food can also show the uh, the same kind of effects that show uh, lingering radiation damage in people. Oh. Uh, the, the thing they saw in the Japanese blood serum, uh, a photochemical luminescence, uh, you can do that same test and show that... Uh, 
the breakdown of, of the fats in particular causes uh, uh, photoluminescence uh, in the degraded food product. And uh, if, if, if it was an animal, uh, oysters or, or chickens or, or fish, the bones capture uh, the excited electrons and uh, all you have to do is dissolve the bone in a, a dark uh, photo detecting uh, a light detecting device and uh, the irradiated foods will uh, luminesce as the bones dissolve because electrons were trapped in an excited state in the bones and uh, that has been used in people you can show where you've had dental x-rays by uh, heating a piece of the tooth that was exposed and it will luminesce as the trapped excited electrons are released now when you spoke earlier of uh, you can detect the the uh, oxidated oxidized fats uh, in, in meat that's been irradiated does that mean that is oxidation just one of the side effects of radiation, or is that really what's going on when you shoot in a bunch of um, uh, you know, protons that don't have um, electrons attached to them? Does uh, yeah, to the extent that uh, there is something present to receive the excited electrons, uh, they will react and... Uh, you'll have oxidation happening hmm. in which the the electrons are going into a, a lower state. I see. And the, uh, the even ultraviolet can cause some processes like that. Uh, if you get too much ultraviolet light from the sun, the uh, vitamin B2 in your skin can get into an excited state and then if you have eaten a lot of polyunsaturated fats the excited vitamin B2 can extract electrons from the exposed uh, double bonds on the fats and uh, create uh, breakage in the fats and the fats will spread and oxidizing process and attack the DNA and so on. So that's how you get skin cancer from ultra yeah. ultraviolet. Yeah, and, and the, the wrinkles and, and cancerization process from sunlight really highly correspond to the amount of polyunsaturated fat that has been in your diet previously. Mm. Uh, the wrinkles uh, occur very quickly when you've been eating a lot of vegetable oil. So, and I suppose that's what you're describing there is how the medical uh, authorities and I guess the nuclear atomic agency authorities, how where they start using sunlight as the comparison with um, x-rays and nuclear waste uh, environmental pollution. Because you can get cancer from both types of radiation. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's such a flimsy connection, though, uh, because... You, you have to be predisposed to it, and then you have to get an intense sunburn and uh, not have the antioxidants in your diet and mm -hmm. so on before it becomes uh, 
carcinogenic. I see. With the, whereas with the other radiation, it's there's really not much protection that you can have uh, against yeah, it. Especially uh, when isotopes have been injected, mm. ingested, and uh, the, the penetrating uh, X-rays and gamma rays uh, will uh, affect tissues all the way through your your system. Hmm. Well, we have a few minutes left. Uh, we're talking to Dr. Raymond Pete, endocrinologist, physiologist, and science historian from Eugene, Oregon. And Ray, I thought maybe you could just sum up, if you would be so kind, with what people can do to, if they have to go to the dentist and have to get an X-ray, what they can do to uh, to uh, gird their loins, so to speak, to protect themselves. Well, the first thing is to um, really reconsider. Why, why you need it. Uh, dentists will tell you you need an x-ray just because uh, they think their insurance requires that they protect themselves by having the x-ray record. But uh, endodontists will tell you that uh, you can't do a root canal without having an x-ray. But uh, I have talked to uh, some endodontists who were very proud of the fact that they didn't need x-rays, but they would later do x-rays to prove to their doubtful colleagues that mm -hmm. they had done it perfectly. Hmm. Uh, it's a matter of skill and judgment. Uh, you don't have to necessarily uh, get it just because the doctor wants you to. And more and more dentists are willing to... Uh, Sometimes they'll have the patient sign a paper that they refused x-rays. Yeah. Then the dentist has to uh, use their skill and uh, judgment. And it's often the same situation. Uh, a lot of medical x-rays uh, are really useless and pointless. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyone, before they get a, a mammogram, should... Caffeine 
is the main thing in the coffee, but the coffee is also a good source of magnesium and niacin, both of which are radiation protectors. Hmm. Uh, niacin amide is a, a, a general tissue protector against uh, stress, including radiation. Uh, the antioxidants, vitamin E and uh, vitamin K and ubiquinone or coenzyme Q10 mm-hmm. are protective. All right. Any, any, we have about one minute left. If you have anything else to add to that? Um, no. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to stop then. And uh, we'll leave it there for now and maybe pick it up next week. And I want to thank you very much, Dr. Pete, for coming on again. Okay. And uh, thank you for all your information and for your work. And I'll give out your uh, uh, website again. Okay. Very good. All right. Thank you, Dr. Pete. Bye. That was Dr. Raymond Pete, endocrinologist, physiologist, and science historian from Eugene, Oregon. You can find out more about his writings on his website, raypeat.com, where he has many of his articles. And you can also subscribe to his newsletter, which is fascinating, raypeat.com. If you have any questions for politics and science, you can direct them by email to politicsandscience at madriver.com. That's politics, A-N-D, science, at madriver.com. Politics and science can be heard weekly on WMRW LP Warren 95.1 FM, airing on Mondays at 5 p.m. And in the Bellows Falls area, can be heard on Wool LP Bellows Falls at 101.1 FM, airing from 3 to 4 p.m. on Sundays and from 9 to 10 a.m. on Mondays. Politics and Science presents the viewpoints of its participants and does not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of any other person or organization.